You know, I've heard people say it's all about execution. And I would say, well, you know, uh, BlackBerry was executing really well. Trouble is, the world changed while they were busy executing. Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from the Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, I'm your host, Will Sherlin. On this episode, we'll be talking about why becoming an anticipatory organization just may be the key to long-term business success. We'll look at why companies like Sony, Dell, BlackBerry, and Blockbuster, all of which were led by talented executives that knew how to be agile and execute strategy, fell behind the competition nonetheless, how to anticipate and pre-solve problems before your company has them, and how to use hard trend certainties to accelerate innovation and drive results. Joining us today to talk about those topics and more is Daniel Burris, who we're excited to welcome back to the podcast. Daniel has delivered over 2,800 keynote speeches worldwide, and he's a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies, helping them to develop game-changing strategies based on his proven methodologies for capitalizing on technology innovations and their future impact. His client list includes companies such as Microsoft, GE, American Express, Google, Deloitte, Procter & Gamble, Honda, and IBM. Daniel is also a featured writer with millions of monthly readers on the topics of innovation, change, and the future for outlets like CNBC, The Huffington Post, and Wired Magazine, to name a few. He's the author of seven books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Flash Foresight, as well as the international bestseller, Technotrends. His latest book, The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage, is an Amazon number one hot new release for business books. Welcome back to the podcast, Daniel. Hey, thank you so much. Absolutely. So let me ask, let me start off by asking about your book. It's titled The Anticipatory Organization. Now, is your book just for organizations that are trying to get ahead, or is it also valuable for individuals? Well, obviously, uh, organizations are made up of individuals. And the reason I didn't call it the anticipatory individual (laughs) is because if you're the only one that's anticipatory in an organization, you're not going to be a very happy camper. So this is for organizations, but it also has principles that you can very easily apply to your personal life. And that's because I'm teaching what I call the missing competency. And uh, let me just take a second to lay that foundation, if that's all right. Of course. And that, and that is the, uh, we're good at reacting, responding, crisis management, putting out fires, and we spend way too much time doing that. And we have gotten lean, uh, we've gotten agile, and we've learned how to execute well. And none of those competencies help companies like uh, BlackBerry, Blockbuster, uh, HP, Sony, Dell, and a host of other big companies that were really good. You know, I've heard people say it's all about execution. And I would say, well, you know, uh, BlackBerry was executing really well. Trouble is, the world changed while they were busy executing. So there's got to be a way. Uh, to get ahead rather than always be behind 
And so far, the biggest competency that has been pushed very big the last, uh, oh, probably eight years has been to be agile. So there's agile this, agile that. Uh, there's even something called agile innovation, which remember, agility is reacting quickly after a problem occurs or after a disruption occurs or after uh, your competitor does something that is taking away your market share. It's a responsive, reactive strategy. And by the way, I want everyone listening to this to be very agile and get better at it. It's think of it as two sides of a coin. Agility is on one side. You can't predict everything. There are things that come out of the blue. Well, yeah, better be agile. But in a world where change is going at an exponential rate, in other words, it's speeding up, it's not slowing down. Reacting fast it has less of a payoff every year you got to find a way to get ahead. And that's why I have written this book. I'm teaching people the competency of how to anticipate, how to anticipate disruptions before they disrupt. So it now becomes a choice. Let's face it. You're either going to be the disruptor or the disrupted. Wouldn't you like to have a choice? There's a way to do that. How to anticipate problems before you have them so that you can pre-solve them and not have them in the first place. Or better yet, take a look at your customers and use the methodology I'm teaching to predict the problems they're going to have. They don't have them now, but they're going to be their biggest problems a year or two down the road. And that is a way you can see new opportunities for products and services. And also how to anticipate uh, game-changing opportunities. So and it's, it's all based on a proven methodology that has been developed over 30 years. And uh, I think before we started the podcast, I mentioned to you that uh, most authors write a book and then get it out there that kind of test the waters with it and then start developing systems around it uh, to teach people. I did the opposite with this book. I already had been working with uh, directors and boards and uh, some of the most innovative startups around the world and using these principles successfully, developed it into a learning system called the Anticipatory Organization, an interactive a learning system I launched uh, several years ago. It got a product award for of the year award almost right away. And its success has been so great, I decided it had to be a book. So actually, everything in this book is proven. So yeah, you, you mentioned most people write the book with the principles and then go out and start teaching them. You came with the principles first. They were proven to be successful and then wrote the book. What are some of the principles that you cover in the book? Well, thank you. Uh, there's actually uh, four big sections to the book, as there is in the learning system. And let me just tell, it, tell you very quickly what they are. One of them is uh, to know what's next. And that is really teaching you how to transform, not change, but transform how you plan. It is using the principles of separating what I have called hard trends. Those are the trends that will happen from soft trends. Those are the trends that might happen. Hard trends are based on future facts. Soft trends are based on assumptions. And you know, it's very interesting how really understanding the difference between a fact and an assumption as you look forward is super powerful. I would, let me give you a quick example here. I was just speaking at a large healthcare conference. Uh, there was a couple of thousand CEOs, hospital CEOs, drug company CEOs, uh, you know, that, that level. One of the things before I spoke, they all thought was a future fact, and had already decided that's the way it's going to be, is that healthcare costs in the United States will continue to rise. 
But in reality, that's a soft trend. And the thing I like about soft trends is if you don't like them, you can change them. But if you think that's a future fact, you don't even try to change them. You just try to figure out how to pay for it, which is really what we've done with healthcare reform. It's kind of like, how to, it's really health payment reform. How do we pay for that big mess that keeps growing? What I'm suggesting, and one of the principles in the book is opposites work better. Look in the opposite direction, and you see amazing opportunities. So in this case, once you realize that is an assumption that is likely to continue unless we decide to do something about it, we could use, for example, blockchain to bring transparency and trust to the healthcare ecosystem right now. And that alone could wipe billions of dollars of waste uh, out of the system because nobody knows what they're paying for anything. They just go in and get the service and then find out the aspirin costs $60. So that is something we could do right now. And another one is we could use technologies that exist right now today to transform with hospitals how they purchase supply chain logistics. That could flush billions of more healthcare costs out. And um, we could use hard trends and soft trends, again, to actively shape the future rather than react to it. So that's uh, section one, learning how to separate the hard trends from the soft trends. We can talk more about that in a few minutes. See, there's no shortage of trends. The problem is which ones are going to happen. The second element to chapter one is helping you to get the time frame. And that is uh, something I've come up with, uh, oh, 30 years ago or more. And that is the three digital accelerators that actually create exponential change. And they're very predictable. For example, why didn't the first iPhone come out two years earlier? And the answer is uh, the three accelerators weren't quite ready yet. The experience would have been bad. But Apple knew exactly when it would be good and put it out perfectly right on time and, and with a good experience. Well, you learn that in one Section two is developing opportunities, how to transform, how you innovate. And again, this is really accelerating innovation in any organization and is teaching two different types of innovation. One is what I call everyday innovation, which is how anyone in the organization, even a receptionist, anybody, even a custodian can innovate on an everyday level. In other words, see a problem that they can see is going to happen. Instead of saying something everyone listening to this have said, I knew that was going to happen, they're actually empowered to solve it before it happens. Exponential innovation, where you take a leap forward, but because you've learned to use hard trends, you can leap forward with low risk. And there's many other principles in that one. The third one is shape the future, and that's where you're transforming culture. Even if you're a small company, and it's really not about changing culture. It's about elevating it to increasing relevancy based on the direction uh, the future is going. That's where you learn how to truly collaborate instead of just cooperate, how to really communicate instead of just inform, how you learn how to fail fast in order to learn faster and share the lessons and how to actually become the disruptor with low risk. And the last one, is accelerating success. And really, this is about transforming results. That's where you learned how to skip your biggest problems so that you can move forward faster. That's how you learn how to maximize relationships and build trust within your, uh, your total ecosystem of whoever you're working with. Because frankly, uh, we live in a technical world, but we also live in a human world. And relationships are the key to the human world 
and good relationships are based on trust. A lot of us undermine it because we were not anticipatory. We do things, then it didn't work, and we put out fires. I'm saying there's a way to predict what will happen to trust as you implement a change, a new product, a new service, and actually build trust in so it's elevated. So I buzzed through a lot of things. There are many principles in there. Let me stop and give you a chance to ask me a question. Yeah, definitely. When, uh, as, as you were saying that, I was actually wondering what kinds of people at what kinds of companies is the book for? Well, that's another really good one. I uh, have, again, uh, it's based on the success and it's really been quite amazing, I must say, of our uh, learning system. By the way, if anyone is interested in the learning system, let me just uh, tell you how you can take a look at it right now. And that is in the past, up until just recently, only organizations could get the learning system. And we had, again, innovative startups doing it, mid-sized companies, global companies. We've even had the Pentagon using it for leadership training. And frankly, it's exceeded everyone's expectations. So I just recently put out a one for individuals. And if you go to Daniel Burris, D-A-N-I-E-L-B-U-R-R-U-S.com, you can see how to get the one for individuals. Again, that's uh, that's kind of how it came about and uh, and how we put it together. Okay, nice. So uh, this is not your first book. Flash Foresight was the the predecessor, and I believe you've written others. What's the difference between the anticipatory organization and Flash Foresight? Well, thank you. This is book seven, and uh, they have been bestsellers. Uh, Flash Foresight was New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Amazon, number one bestseller. And I must say this new one, the anticipatory organization, is already uh, number one on Amazon's hot new books. So it's uh, already off to a great start. Nice. And by the way, uh, let me just, uh, the, the difference is, is that in Flash Foresight, I had seven key principles, and I did introduce some of the concepts that are in the anticipatory organization, like the difference between hard trends and soft trends, how the skip it principle works, and how opposites work. And again, there were seven key strategies in there. It was for individuals. Uh, what the anticipatory organization book is doing is it's operationalizing those principles and showing you how to use it, whether you're a startup or a Fortune 2 company. Uh, regardless of where you are on the planet, and to accelerate results and to uh, and innovation and transform, uh, you know, your planning. Uh, and we have many more strategies in there. As I just kind of went through those sections, those sections were not in Flash Foresight. So I see the books as very complementary, and I must say, Flash Foresight sales are continuing to go really strong. So if you've already read Flash Foresight, I think you'll really enjoy Anticipatory Organization. And frankly, I think if you read the anticipatory organization, you may want to go back and check out Flash Foresight. They go together very nicely. Very nice. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg is famous in the product and tech space for saying or instructing his engineers to move fast and break things. You don't think that's always the best advice, though? In the book, you say that going exponentially fast in the wrong direction can get you into trouble faster. Please explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, we are moving at an exponential uh, pace of change. And uh, a lot of groups, including uh, uh, books, have been written about exponential. And of course, I've been talking about exponential change since the early 80s. So it's not new for me. I was probably one of the first to really start speaking about that and using it as a way to look at the future. 
The thing is, you need direction. If you are, again, if you are just, it's, it's all about speed. You're going exponentially fast, but you have no way of managing risk. If you have no way of knowing what will happen before it happens, if it's all a crapshoot and you have no idea, it seems the only things that you can predict about the future are death and taxes, then you can get into trouble extremely fast and you end up breaking a lot of things. What I've done, and as you know, I've started uh, six companies over the years, five was profitable in the first year. Four were national leaders in the first year. One of them had uh, 37 national locations in the first year. That was in aviation. One of them I started uh, with no employees and no investment money. Uh, Back in 2009, I created the first mobile real estate apps. And it took uh, six months with no employees and no investment money to create $1.1 million a month in returning revenue. And by the way, I was also writing a book and consulting and gave uh, probably 70 speeches around the world while I did that. So if you're saying, I'm too busy, hey, that's your problem. You think you're too busy. Are you moving fast with low risk and exponential change? So what the hard trend, soft trend thing does is it gives you certainty in an uncertain world. It allows you to have the confidence to make bold moves. And in the book, I'm teaching you how actually not transforming, not uh, taking, uh, moving on something that you know is going to happen, a hard trend, the risk is actually greater to not do it than it is to do it. Frankly, what I'm trying to do is get people to create, to be a positive disruptor. Notice I said positive. Most people think disruptions is negative. Why is that? Because you're being agile and reacting to someone else's. Let's face it, the guys who came up with the multi-billion dollar idea of Uber or the multi-billion dollar idea of Airbnb, did they use agility? No, that wouldn't help them. But all the people that were disrupted by them needed it. So why don't we use what Amazon is using? Why don't we use what Apple's been using? Why don't we use those who are extremely successful, what their strategies are? I work with these companies. I'm telling you right now, you know what it is? It's being able to anticipate. And let me just take a break from us for just a second and say, look, I believe in this book so much. I'm going to do something for every listener right now that I've never known any author to do. I'm going to give you for free a hardcover copy of the anticipatory organization. I believe in it that much. And uh, all you've got to do is go to the, T-H-E, the aobook.com. And for just a few bucks of shipping, because I'm not going to pay for the shipping, I'm already losing money in the book by giving it to you. <laughs> Obviously, you can't print them for free. I uh, And it'll be FedEx to you within four or five days, and you've got it. And why would I do that as an author? Actually give all of your listeners a free copy of this book, a hardcover copy, not an e-copy. And the reason is, I know you're going to like it so much. You're going to tell a friend, you're going to spread the word, and you know what? Those people will buy it, and I'll do quite good. So there you go, theaobook.com. I believe in it that much. Want to get your copy today. Very nice, but thank you so much. Well, you know what I just did is I took a barrier and eliminated it. See, one of the ways to accelerate success that I teach in the book is uh, eliminating barriers and pre-solving predictable problems. And one of the predictable problems, for example, 
is you might be listening and you might be saying, yeah, well, I got to go to Amazon. I got to buy the book. I got to, et cetera, et cetera. There's a cost to it. I don't know how much I like it. I just took away all that and just said, hey, I'll give it to you for free. I believe in it that much. Secondly, you know what I did? I showed you how much confidence I have in the book. I'm willing to give you something that I'll lose money on because I know I won't lose money. I'm going to do really well. And you see, when people have confidence, it spreads. That's why this is a good teaching moment I can give every listener. That's why hard trends are so powerful. Because once you see the future truth and you know this will happen, and you know it, you don't need to read a white paper on it. You know what? You have the confidence to make a bold move because you have certainty. And from a sales perspective, and by the way, we're all selling something. So if you're an engineer, you're trying to get funding and a budget, you're selling something. Hey, a baby, when they cry, they're selling something. They want something. So we're all really in sales. So what opens the door to a sale? And that is uncertainty. Nothing better than a confused customer. But what is the best way to close a sale? And that is certainty. Because when you're not certain, you'll say, you know, I got to get another opinion. When you're not certain, you don't write a big check. When you're not certain, you don't say yes. But when you are certain, you can make bold moves with the confidence that hard trends and certainty provide. So it's extremely powerful. And I think that's why this book is already number one on uh, Amazon's hot new books. Yeah. And let me, let me ask a little more about certainty and uncertainty. Many organizations take a wait and see approach to the new technologies and business transformations that are underway across all industries today. What's your advice for those companies and their leaders? Well, you know, wait and see uh, was something that has served us well all of these decades and decades and decades. Uh, Why? Because the pace of change was not as fast as it is, and the technology was not as transformational as it is today. Let's face it, we're doing things today that was impossible two years ago. Many things. I could give you a big list. And by the way, we're going to be doing things two years from now that are impossible today. And what I'm saying is, wouldn't you like to know what those are ahead of time? And the answer is, well, you can. It's quite clear. It's quite easy. If you went back and read my uh, 93 book, Technotrends, uh, you would see me talking about streaming video. Matter of fact, I even had a section in that 93 book book saying Blockbuster is busted and I'm describing streaming and what came to be uh, uh, Netflix, as well as I was talking about smartphones and everything else with accurate timeframes. I don't want to be the only guy that can accurately predict the future. That's why I wrote this book. I want to teach you to do it because I want us pre-solving problems before they happen. If we don't do that in a world of exponential change, we're not going to be happy campers on this planet Earth. So the wait and see, let me put it this way. The old rule was the big ate the small. The new rule is the fast eat the slow. But once again, I can't just move fast. I need direction. I don't want to be breaking and fixing like Zuckerberg said all the time. I want to, when I, when I do make a mistake, I want to fail quickly and learn fast so I can learn fast. But I want to lower my risk. And I've mentioned risk a number of times. Let's just tie this to certainty. And that is a strategy, whether it's personal or business, based on uncertainty, has high risk. Strategy, based on certainty, has low risk and high reward. So you can do giant leaps with innovation and create amazing opportunities in short amounts of time using the principles in the book because you learn how to skip problems. 
learn how to have the certain you're basing what you're doing on something that's going to happen anyway. And one of the principles I teach is if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. And once again, well, I've got a way for you to see what can be done. And it's quite powerful. Yeah, and you you mentioned some of the technology trends that you foresaw back in the back in the early '90s. So I want to get your take on on a few that we hear a lot about uh, in the yeah, in the tech media today. Uh, one is machine learning, artificial intelligence. Many people fear that we will eventually be replaced by machines in the workplace. What's your take on this? Yes, well, you know, way back in if you go when I started this company, uh, Burris Research, back in 1983. I came up with a list of 20 technologies that would be growing at an exponential rate and transform our world as that exponential curve got higher and steeper. And by the way, one of them was AI in there. By the way, I also had the cloud in there. I had a digital technology. That list of 20 has held up over time as the list. And uh, so I've been talking about AI for a long time, as well as neural networks and other things like that. So let's talk about this. And that is, every, first of all, every career has a science and an art. You go to school for the science, and then when you get out in the workplace as an engineer or product developer or whatever it is you do, a software engineer, you learn the art of it. And if it was only just a science, for example, being a doctor, if it was only just a science, it wouldn't matter who your doctor was. But because it does matter, the art part is what matters. You know, you want to be able to pick your doctor. Some engineers are better than others even though maybe one engineer got straight A's and the other one got B's. The B one might be better. Why? They've improved. They're better at the art part. So here's the point that I'm bringing up. In college, we learn the art, the science. Out, we learn the art. What's happening is we've got a flip taking place. And that is the AI is getting much better at the science. Humans are going to shine at the art part. And what is that art part? It's rapid problem solving. It's advanced listening skills. It's communication skills. It's collaboration skills. Actually, the higher levels of what I call the cognitive domain, which you could learn more about if you want to go to my websites, uh, like Burroughs.com. And uh, that is analysis, synthesis, problem, advanced problem solving. Things that uh, the computers are uh, not as good at, they're good at the more lower levels. So let me introduce a new concept for all of our listeners right now. And that is what I call symbiotic computing. That's the future of AI and humans. Symbiosis in the biological world is when a two living creatures that are different creatures live together because they can't survive without each other. Well, actually, we're heading to that future, a symbiotic future. For example, IBM's Watson knows more about oncology right now than any oncologist. So let's just play a scenario out. Let's say someone you know, a loved one, is diagnosed with cancer and needs an oncologist, heaven forbid. I'm going to give you three choices. Number one, a really good oncologist who is well-known. Choice number two, just IBM's Watson. That's it. No human. And choice number three, a really good oncologist that has access to Watson. But see, that's symbiosis. That's where we're going. And I think that uh, there will be jobs eliminated but they're the but as we have always seen, there are new jobs created. The key is, are you willing to learn new things? And by the way, some humans are not willing to learn new things, and they will have trouble until they have enough trouble that they decide, hey, you know what? I got to learn new things. But remember, 
That's crisis management. I would like all of us right now to learn. You got to learn new things now. And what kind of things do you learn? Why don't you look at the hard trend shape in the future so you can see what you need to learn? That's how you do the subtitle of my book. And that is turn disruption and change into opportunity and advantage because you can start to see it ahead of time. And so, so let me ask in closing, if you were to write techno trends today, what might be new or different on there that wasn't on the list in 93? I, I wouldn't change any of the technologies I talked about because every single one, there were 20 technologies that would revolutionize our lives in the book. All of them have done that and are continuing to do that. So I wouldn't change that. Uh, and again, you, you've got to uh, make decisions. You can't have 40 or 50 or 100 and no one will read the book. What I do is I put, pick the most significant ones. What I would do is take a look at how certain elements of the human part of this has slowed certain elements down just a bit. And uh, so time frames uh, were good in there with, but you know, I have a track record of being, even when I go 10 or 20 years out, being only a couple of years off. And there's been a couple of things that have been a little bit more off than that because of how slow we have been to embrace the future. We tend to protect and defend the status quo way more than we should. And you end up like a Sony or a Dell or an HP or a BlackBerry or a Blockbuster. None of them needed to do that. And frankly, I thought those companies could have learned the principles I'm teaching a little sooner. That's why I continue to write books and continue to do what I do. I would like not so many companies failing because, frankly, you don't need to fail. Let me just bring that to a really important concept that I can share right now that relates to this. One of the key concepts in the book is future view. How you view the future shapes how you act in the present. To a great extent, people right now are buying Apple Computer. Right right now, people are selling Apple Computer. Why? their future view of Apple. Right now, there are people that are buying Bitcoin. Other people would never get into it. Why? Even though they know about it. Why? Their future view of Bitcoin. And I could go on and on. And some people would start a business. Other people would never. Way too much risk. Others see the risk and is not starting a business. How you view the future shapes how you act in the present. And by the way, how you act in the present will shape your future. In other words, your future view will determine the future you. So now let's relate this to retail. If you're the CEO of a large brick and mortar retail outlet, that's not just a company uh, with one outlet, but with many stores, and your future view is the good old days of brick and mortar retail are behind us, you might close 174 stores. By the way, Sears has just done that. On the other hand, if you're the CEO and you see the future of brick and mortar retail, The good old days are actually ahead of us. You might buy Whole Foods, as Amazon did. You might open 100 new bookstores, brick and mortar, around the country, as Amazon is doing. In other words, both of those CEOs have a different future view of brick and mortar. And by the way, because of their future view, Sears' future will be quite different than Amazon's. You see, how you view the future is really powerful. And I believe all of us are viewing the future with a rear view mirror mindset, we're not looking through the windshield. And what I'm doing is saying, I don't worry so much about legacy technology. I worry about legacy thinking. And what I'm doing in this book is changing how you think. I'm not telling you what to think. 
but I'm changing how you think about opportunity, about trends, about the future, about what's possible, and giving you a way to very specifically move forward with proven strategies. Very nice. Well, I think the future of you for the anticipatory organization is strong. Uh, hopefully, uh, some of our listeners out there will take advantage of the opportunity to get a free hardcover book at theaobook.com. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us for this episode once again. And uh, we look forward to uh, look forward to the next time we can have you on. You got it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. The Innovation Engine Podcast is brought to you by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Head to www.3pillarglobal.com to learn more about our services. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play to ensure that you never miss a new episode and head to 3pillarglobal.com slash podcast to receive new updates about our show and read the full show notes and transcript of each episode. Don't forget, we also have an app for our Three Pillar Podcasts. Just search for the Innovation Engine on the App Store.